I'm Ryan Milliken from Hardway Performance, and you're listening to The Diesel Podcast. I'm Demetri Miller with No Zone Diesel. This is Anthony Rings from XDP. This is Jaron Holder from Holder Down Performance. Corey Willis from TPI. I'm Drew with D&J Precision Machine. I'm Pinky. And you're listening to The Diesel Podcast. Diesel Podcast. You're listening to The Diesel Podcast. The Diesel Podcast. The one and only Diesel Podcast. What is going on, Diesel Nation? We're excited to have you guys with us today. We've got a very interesting episode that you guys are going to love. Before we get to it, we want to thank BD Diesel and Dan's Diesel Performance for making this episode possible. If you're looking to do anything to your truck, whether it's it's get a little bit more power, lower EGTs, need transmission upgrades, or build a full-on race truck, you got to check them out. Head on over to dieselperformance.com and dansdieselperformance.com to check them out. Give them a call, email them, they'll hook you up. We also want to encourage you guys to keep on commenting, liking, sharing, and subscribing to the podcast. If you're not already subscribed, make sure you do on iTunes and YouTube. And comment with who you want to hear from or what topics you want to hear about. We love hearing from you guys. And also, we've released a diesel podcast website. It's called thedieselpodcast.com. We've got all of our episodes, blogs, tons of information. If you want to hear the episodes first... You need to go check it out. Luke, it is great to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm fine, thank you. I'm great. And you felt? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. Pretty well. I'm really excited to have you on today. I've, I came across uh, your company and what you guys do recently, and I've been looking forward to, to, to chatting with you. And I wanted to start with having you introduce yourself to our listeners, tell us uh, what you do, um, how you got into to diesel performance, and, and having fun with uh, with diesel-powered engines. Right, well, obviously I'm Luke Dale. I, uh, I started Diesel Pump UK. Um, basically, we're a, a diesel tuning company that mainly specializes in mechanical diesel performance. So we do have remapping facilities, other bits and pieces, but uh, our main uh, line of work is mechanical injection. So we'll, we... We specialize in an engine called um, the Mercedes OM606, which is a, a three-liter um, passenger car engine, six-cylinder. It's like a baby, uh, a baby 5.9 Cummins, you know, 12-valve. Okay. You call them 12-valve, don't you? Uh, over, over here in England, it's a, we know it as a B-series. So everybody calls it the, you know, the B-series Cummins. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's kind of like a baby version of that, but with, uh, kind of more of a mixture of like a 2JZ petrol. Um, so it's kind of a high revving, strong, but mechanical engine. Uh, but the other strange twist about it is the engine's actually an IDI. It's indirect injection. Okay. And, and most of the diesel world um, kind of think of IDIs as the underperformers, uh, you know, as, as an engine that's not usually... Uh, doesn't lend itself very well to tuning, but uh, in this particular application, uh, it really does. It um, it really really does. Obviously, with the IDI, you can get that slightly quieter, smoother uh, idle, and all the rest of it. Um, but also, uh, we can get the uh, the high performance out of it as well. You know, and a lot of people are transplanting these engines into things. Um, you know, putting them into uh, Anything from from cars uh, like BMWs and 
uh, like I put mine in American muscle car, you're putting them in, I, I, want, I put one in an F250, which obviously is <laughs> is a lot smaller than what it should have had in. I took a 6.9 IDI out of it and, and put one of these engines in. Um, and yeah, they're, they're, we're putting them in all different things. Um, they're, they're, they're great little high revving, high performance, but so strong. You know, they'll really, really take some pain, which is uh, which is fantastic. How popular is it to swap engines into vehicles in in England or, or in Europe or in that performance world? Well, <laughs> probably to the average individual, not that popular. But to me, extremely popular because that's <laughs> basically what I what I specialize in doing. Um, obviously, we uh, we make adapter kits to put these engines into like lots of different things. Um, so, so conversions is, is very popular. Um, G-Wagons, Mercedes G-Wagons, uh, you know, the 4x4s four um, that you see on the Kardashians and all that kind of thing. <laughs> they're, uh, they're basically quite popular for putting these engines into because of the high performance. Uh, and a lot of the original Mercedes G-Wagons, they were uh, really underpowered. They, uh, they had something called a Mercedes 617 engine, which was all iron five-cylinder, three-liter, um, and I've dynoed lots of them in standard form, and if they make 50 to 55 horsepower at the wheels, then you've got a good one on your hands. Um, so you can imagine in a, in a, in a two-and-a-half or three-ton Mercedes G-Wagon, it's, uh, yeah, it's a bit of a struggle to get them up to speed, so, so that's why we, we convert a lot of those. Um, but there's lots of people doing less brand specific stuff, you know, uh, putting them into, like I said, BMWs and other brands, Fords and, and all sorts of things. So they're, they're in your shop. You guys are able to, to make all those adapter kits and basically take that, that engine, fabricate everything that you guys need to be able to do that swap. Or if it's, if it's an engine that's already in a vehicle, be able to fabricate what you guys need to get the performance out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, both of what you said. I mean, if somebody rings me with something that I've not done before, um, a vehicle that I've not converted before, then um, I kind of, I will give them a quote up front to just, you know, what I think is going to be involved, give my best sort of uh, advice, but obviously say to them, look, you know, it, yours is the first, so there'll be a bit of development involved, you know, um, uh, if there's any extra machining or specialist development parts, we usually do those at cost if it's a person that's uh, that's, that's that's brought me the first vehicle because technically they're lending me a, a good platform for development, which is good. Um, so we we've we've done that on quite a few vehicles. So uh, like for instance, I've got a Land Rover in at the minute. We've done a few different Land Rovers, which are obviously an English thing anyway. Um, but I I, I um, I've taken that in and we've we've redesigned quite a few bits. Um, the the alternate was in the wrong place, so we've made a, a CAD model of that and then a plastic model to make sure it, the alternator sits in the right place and then that gets made out of billet aluminium and then it can be anodized to whatever color people want. And little things like that. So we try and do the, the small parts, the, the ones that are you know crucial, that, that's gonna, the, the kind of parts that are going to keep the vehicle reliable. We try and get them done laser straight, CAD designed, made out of good grade alloy or, or something similar. And then it's going to last the test of time. Uh, and it's just a case of developing like that every time we do um, a new vehicle. And then 
it's much easier after that. Once we've done the first one, then we can offer a kit. You know, we can say, right, okay, so you want to put an engine into your BMW. Well, you need this adapter, these mounts, that set of hoses, you know. Um, I'm sure there are lots of companies uh, in the U.S. that are probably specializing in doing that with things like Cummins and LS, uh, that kind of stuff. It's really cool, though, that you guys are able to it's there are you know as far as with the engine swaps it's the the come and swap is really popular and there are ones that do that but it's it's what you're able to take you know what your maybe engines we're not as familiar with over here but you're able to build that kit do it in-house have it ready to go and then you guys can ship them anywhere so it, even if they're not local to you you're able to get these products to you know a, a customer anywhere in the world yeah absolutely and um, we keep a lot of engines in stock, um, used engines. Um, they're extortionately expensive to buy from Mercedes. If you wanted to buy a, a new unit from Mercedes, it's very, very expensive. Just, just a bare engine on its own um, can be as much as £11,000, uh, which in dollars, I don't know what that is, maybe $15,000. So it's a very, very expensive engine. But secondhand over here, they're very, very cheap. Um, you know, you're looking at, um, you know, you can buy a car with one of these engines in. Obviously, it's a used engine, so there's lots that you need to take into consideration. But you can buy a used car from, from the UK for £500. Again, I don't know what it works out. Maybe like $700, or something. Um, in the US, they're a bit more expensive. Like, I've already got a few, quite a few customers in, in America that are uh, buying these. Um, you know, buying parts from me, pumps or adapters or turbo kits, uh, and they're sourcing their own engines because you do, you did have uh, the, there was a, um, America was supplied with a, the, the the Mercedes E300 turbo diesel 1998 model that came with this particular engine. So you do have some over there, but they're expensive, and most people say to me that if they ever do see them for sale, they're generally around about $2,000, uh, $2,000, $2 something like that. So quite a lot more than what we pay. Um, so generally what I say to, to, to the customers or people that are interested in doing the build, um, you know, you've got other parts. Generally, they're wanting to buy other parts. I say, look, you know, buy the, um, buy the engine and bits and pieces from us uh, and then, you know, I can create it up. The shipping cost usually then makes it the same price as an engine to buy over there. But the difference is I've had a chance to have a look over it. Um, and obviously, I, I look at these every day, day in, day out. So I can make sure that the, the silly little things that, that kind of generally tend to be wrong, I can sort all that out before they go over. So um, it works quite nicely like that. You know, the, the, yeah, it works, it works good for, for that in that respect. When somebody orders one of these from you, they probably want more power than they have stock, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. What options do you give them or what what can be done to get more power out of that, that platform? This is the great thing about this particular engine. Um, they internally are fantastic. They've got pretty much all forged components from the factory. Um, the head bolts are uh, plentiful, shall we say. <laughs> it, it doesn't have a lack of head bolts to hold that head on that block. So the, the great thing is that we can wind the boost pressure up. Um, you know, you can see four bar 
um, with a single uh, turbo and not have any issues of the head lifting or anything like that. Um, we do lots of different kits from, uh, I mean, say for example you take an absolutely bone stock engine, a standard car is 177 horsepower. It makes about 130 on the dyno. We dyno them here quite regularly just to see before we pull them out that an engine's working well before we strip it. Um, and you generally see 12130, uh, a remapped, you know, a chipped one because they have, a, they actually have a, um, an electronically controlled injector pump as standard. Uh, it's kind of like a, it's not full mechanical, but it has a, an EDC back on it. So the governor is electronic, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so we we basically uh, we generally take that off and we replace that with a full mechanical. So like you have on the Cummins. Um, you put the like the P the 7100s on, which is like a full mechanical injector pump, right? Um, but it's similar. It's like a like a mini version of that, basically. It's like a, just a smaller version, um, and it's still in line. It's still you know uh, it, it looks very similar. It's just different the way they've delivered valves bolting and things. So we can take one of those and put them on a uh, one on a stock engine, which would make 130 on the wheels. Um, and with some better elements in and a different uh, pressure actuator on the standard turbo, we can wind that up to 245 horsepower of the wheels from 130. So, like, even with a, not a lot of outlay and, and not much modification, you can get a huge gain. Um, and that, that small turbo will make uh, sort of around 400 pounds for, um, which obviously to you guys... 400 pounds so it's not a big number but we're dealing with just a you know a three liter engine so it's it, the revs the rpms there and all the rest of it but um but yeah she's not quite as long stroke as the cummins and the, and the bit of the power strokes and all the rest of it so um basically that's the first step you know what i generally say to someone if they've got like say a g-wagon or a american pickup or whatever they want to put it in a you know a big car or a big estate car or something and they just want real fast response uh, spin up the tyres uh, from the lights and all the rest of it. So stay with a stock turbo. Use a, an actuator kit and use a, a, a mechanical pump. Either a 6mm or a 7.5 build, just a, one of the lower ends. And, and that'll be brilliant. And then we have like a full range, which I'm not going to go through the full range because there's lots of different turbos that we do, and, and you know we'd be we'd be talking about turbos all day. But um, <laughs> we do we go all the way up to um, another bolt-on kit, which is based around the S300 uh, Borg Warner, um, and uh, with the with that with that billet set, we we've seen um, seven. I think it made uh, 735 at the crank and 611 at the wheels. Um, we've done a little bit more on a ball, on a billet, uh, on a ball bearing turbo, but uh, we had issues with the drive pressures that sheared off the turbine wheel. So, um, so yeah, reliably we're, we're seeing 600 wheel horsepower, um, which is incredible out of a totally stock three liter engine. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun to be had for not a lot of modification. You know. Oh yeah, no, that's. It's it's incredible to think how much power potential that it has, out of you know kind of a, a small package compared to you know what what we're used to with a five nine or six seven or you know six six Duramax or the old seven three power strokes what it might be, it's hard to double the <clears throat> double the power out of them, 
and pretty much going to have a, a stock internal motor. <laughs> yes, yeah. Well, I mean, there are there are lots and lots of upgrades uh, that you can do. There are internal upgrades that you can do. Um, but generally, I mean, for, for, for the majority of my business that I've done so far, there's not very many people that tend to want to go beyond the stock internals. You know, you end up with a, a vehicle that's small, lightweight, and so fast that people haven't seemed to have the real need to go further. And I, so far as yet, haven't seen any actual dyno proof or any uh, real figures or any, any, any videos uh, of anybody making more uh, wheel power than we have with a stock engine, with even a built engine. And that isn't uh, me trying to, you know, stir people up. Like, I'm generally interested in, in what everybody what everybody's capable of. And uh, I always like to, to push the envelope. And we would like to see one of these engines going up towards, you know, a 1,000 one day. But um, like I say, business is busy with, with doing stuff that's not quite that extreme uh, at this point. But we are constantly making products, you know, to, to, to push the envelope and to go that bit further. And, and I'm sure in the future we're going to be seeing that, you know, like, like they did with the, the, the Supras and, and, the, and the Japanese sort of three litre inline fixes and things where they, they're up, up to like 2,000 horse or whatever now. It's a similar sort of thing, but just, just like a, a, a more of a, an industrial, like a diesel version. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had uh, recently, uh, I don't remember, I think it was Facebook. I saw a post you guys had about a build you guys did in-house with a charger. And I wanted I wanted to ask you about it, get the details. Just, it was so cool. I, I was like, I, I, I need to know more about this car. <laughs> yeah, um, the charger is my car. Uh, it, I, I've had it for a few years. And um, I've had... I've, I've had a lot of American cars, like, um, from, well, from, from way back. Like, I've had lots of different bits and pieces. And the Charger is kind of like, the kind of the goal. I, I've kind of worked my way up to, to finally getting the Charger from having all sorts of things, like Coronet, and uh, I've had Camaros, and, and, and all sorts, loads of different bits and pieces. Um, and the Charger came up. Uh, a guy who was selling it who'd owned it since 1991. Uh, he'd imported it from America in 91 and he'd, he'd had it, you know, that whole length of time. I purchased it uh, and the interior kind of looked like what we see on, on, on American, like, uh, car restoration shows. So, like, uh, we don't, this doesn't tend to happen in the UK, but the dash was all kind of cracked and the seats were all cracked and the carpet had turned into what could only be described as like cornflakes. It was like <laughs> the whole interior had dried out to the point where you could hoover it out, if that makes sense. <laughs> Whereas that doesn't happen in the UK. Like our cars rot away completely. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, the interiors are perfect after 30 years because everything stays damp, but the, uh, usually the exteriors are completely destroyed. But, um, so anyway, the first job was obviously I, I did the interior, I got that sorted and a few bits and pieces, but I never got it reinstalled. Um, and it had a 318 in it, um, small block, um, Mopar, you know, the, the, the standard engine that it came with from the factory, a 318 with a three-speed. 
Um, and it wasn't very fast, it wasn't very exciting, but it was a charger, and that's what I kind of always wanted, so I was, I was really tooted with it. Anyway, well, I don't know if you've ever heard of a, I'm sure you will have, a, a, a show called Roadkill. And, yeah. You know, they're on, yeah, various channels, whatever. Well, I often watch that, because the thing with Roadkill, one of the, the great things about watching it for me is the scenery. You know, it feels like I'm getting a guided tour of your country, and it's interesting. It's really interesting because you've got so many different like varieties of weather and 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 such a, a wide spectrum of cars and and great road trips. It was absolutely brilliant. Anyway, I always watch these two guys and the crazy builds that they do and the weird and wonderful bizarre things that they they build. Anyway, they announced that they were coming to England, um, and I I basically sent an email to their production people or whatever saying. Uh, we've got a massive yard outside where we work. If you're interested in coming here, then by all means, I'm sure we could arrange it. Anyway, I never heard anything back. Um, and they ended up going to uh, EBC, which is a brake pad manufacturer in the UK. Um, and they, they, they held the event there. But we entered the, the car, the Charger, in the show um, as a diesel-converted uh, Dodge Charger. Well, at the time, they were coming over in 10 days, and we submitted the application, like, obviously 10 days before that, and the car didn't have a diesel engine in it. It didn't have an interior in it. It was like, it was kind of a wild idea that I kind of hoped that they'd say yes. Well, obviously, we had to get a yes before we really started building it, but we had such a short amount of time <laughs> to build this car that I thought, well, I better crack on and start building the engine. So I started building this engine, and I decided it had to be cat yellow, um, as you'll have seen in the photos, uh, because years ago, uh, somebody in the VW tuning scene did a, a cat yellow engine in a, in a VW Golf uh, diesel one, and it looked fantastic, and it really stuck in my mind, and I thought, yeah, I like that. I'm going to do something similar. Um, so anyway, did did something similar, very industrial paint job, and by industrial, I mean, you know, painted the injector lines, the injector pump. You've seen these engines when they're painted. They don't mask anything off. Everything gets painted, you know. Yeah. <laughs> there's, no, there's no way that engine's going to leak. It's got so much tube back on it, you know. Um, so basically, that's what it got. It got the, it got the full works. Obviously, after we'd, we'd assembled all the bits and pieces we wanted to put on it, 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 got, it got painted cat yellow. Um, and then about eight days or seven days before they were due to arrive, the confirmed, yes, you're in. So it was kind of like, hooray, we're in. But at the same time, now we really do have to build a car. <laughs> so with a really tight time schedule, we, we set on the building this car. And I actually had to make from scratch the adapter plate um, to connect it to a GM uh, 4L80 that was built by Gearstar. Um, it's a pro series build, so it's 1,200 rear wheel horsepower rated as the transmission. So the transmission's well above the horsepower rating. Um, I wanted to do that because of the torque that it that it puts out. Um, so that that was done. Uh, we did this. Did we, we managed to get that made. It's a CNC adapter plate, which is really a really nice looking piece of kit, um, which we now sell. So for any Chevy small block pattern you know we, we carry that because of that um so we ended up with a dodge charger that has a mercedes diesel engine in it 
with a, uh, a Chevrolet transmission in it. <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine the, the purists don't really approve. Um, but I like it because uh, it's got tall gears, it's got loads of torque, it's ballistically fast. Like, I mean, it's fast, fast for, for, a, for a, a vehicle that's got four drum brakes on it and no power assist. Um, it's, yeah, it's fast. And, um, you know, I've raced quite a few quick cars in it and, and just had a bit of fun with it, and it, it really does move. But it does, like, the world's most epic burnouts. It just does burnouts for days and days and days. It's just absolutely fantastic. When it's on boost, it's just insane. So to cut a long story short, we basically ended up getting to the roadkill event in the nick of time. We finished it, and uh, brilliant, uh, got it there. And it was well, well, uh, well deserved. The the guys really liked it. We won an award for uh, I can't remember what the award was for. It was for building the craziest build or something like that. And they published it on their website and stuff. And I actually had a chat to um, uh, David Freiberger, and uh, it was actually Steve Dolsage that came down, not um, not Finnegan, uh, because he had some family business, I believe. Anyway, you know, they really liked it. I said to them, you know, I've got a big block that I'm building for it, um, you know, do you think I should use this, should I do that? And he said, well, you know, why are you going to take out the, um, why are you going to take out the diesel? And I said, well, because kind of a charge has always been a car that I've always wanted and I kind of feel like I've ruined it. And he said, well, no, not really. He said, you know, in the US, every charger that you see has got a big block, a 440 in it. He said, it's, it's boring, you know, like you, you see that all the time. He said, this is individual, leave it well alone. Um, uh, we love it. And I said, well, okay. <laughs> okay, that's easy for me. I'll leave it how it is. So it, that's how it stayed. And we just did another show with it this weekend. And uh, it won another award. So we've done two shows and won, won two prizes with it, which I never built it for that reason. I built it for fun and, and to sort of advertise the business. But um but yeah, it, it kind of ticks the boxes, and I really, really love it. The paint job isn't perfect. It's not a rotten car. It's rust-free, but it's kind of got that, you know, that 80s paint that's kind of gone a bit, like, dry and a bit. It's not quite shiny anymore. It, it, what do you call it? Um, uh, patina. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's what jumped out to me with, with the build is, you know, you're right, they... They they had big blocks and and you know you you can find them and see them but to see a diesel power plant between the fenders and the epic burnouts that it does do it's really cool. <laughs> yeah, it is. it's a lot of fun. It is a hell of a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, it I it really upsets the purists. The um, <laughs> I had a chap that came up at this most recent show that I went to at Goodwood. Um, it was a show called Retro Ride, so they have all sorts of old uh, cars, some modified things, and it's really, really typically British. So, like, when you think of England, you think of, like, the royal family and you think of all that kind of thing and, like, everybody, you know, sipping out of teacups and being very polite and all that kind of thing. Well, Goodwood Festival is, um, is very much that. It's picket fences, it's perfectly cut lawns, and it's, like, idyllic um obviously i turned up with this charger which is like the most um offensive uh, offensive diesel powered uh, muscle car you can imagine um in england anyway 
And, um, and yeah, loads of people actually really liked it. I thought, you know, this is the wrong thing. And, and it wasn't. They actually really liked it. I had one chap that came up to me. And he came up and he said, uh, he said, lovely install, um, really, really pleased with the installation that you've done. Um, but he said, uh, the thing is, uh, why the heck have you put a, a diesel engine into it? And I said, well, I said, you know, it's promotional or business and this and that. And he said, but you do realize that, um, that diesel is ruining the environment. And I said, well, that's really your opinion. And I said, I think that technically, if you wanted to go down that road, you could say that all engines are ruining the environment. You know, you, you put a DPF on a diesel engine, all it's doing is catching the, the diesel particulates to be thrown into a landfill in the ground at a later stage. It's, it's not making it go away. Uh, you know, anyway, you can't get into conversation with these guys. They know better, and you just have to kind of say, okay, thank you very much, and, and off they go. But you get it. You get it everywhere you go. You get these purists that, some strange reason in England, they're on a bit of a power trip at the minute to kind of rid the country of diesels and they're, they're, they're making it more difficult to have diesels. And it's very frustrating. I think the people that are in power and the, the, that are doing it, the, they don't realize that, you know, the trains, uh, there's a lot of the trains that are diesel, the, the ships are diesel, uh, all the trucks, all of our heavy vehicle industries, all diesel. And, you know, they are efficient engines. They're efficient, and the more the more development we can put into the technology, the more uh, the better these engines can be designed. The more efficient they can be made, you know, the less fuel they're going to burn, and, and the less you know, the less bad for the environment. I mean, I'm obviously not one to talk. You know, a lot of the stuff we build is roll coal and all the rest of it, because that's what the, you know the customers like. But there's there's, there's a lot of there's a lot of technology as well out there that's really quite impressive. It's very interesting you say that because it's the same thing here with, you know, from where diesel performance, you know, started in the 90s, where it's just, you know, get as much fuel as you can, you know, into the motor, turbos, yeah. do what you want to. Now trucks with DPFs and ECMs that aren't very you know, favorable to, yeah, to access and tune. And, and it's this balance of trying to find, you know, this 2018 truck that has this much power. Well, you want a little bit more. How do you do it? How do you keep the DPF happy? How do you fall within the regulations of everything? And yeah, that's just diesel is so, it's so efficient. It can make so much torque. It can last so long that the, the enthusiasts, you know, we're, we're trying to figure out, how to do it and and stay within the guidelines of, of, of what's done. Yeah, of what's legal. Yeah, I understand that and I appreciate it. I think that the, the great thing about a diesel is it can be one or the other. It can be a show pony. We can make it blow a load of smoke for a show, you know, just as a one-off. But at the same time, yeah, we can still have fantastic performance um, without that. And we do that with our builds, you know. If a customer says, uh, you know, I want 400 wheel horsepower, uh, and I want no smoke, then, yeah, no problem. We can do that. That's absolutely fine. I mean, yeah, you may find that um, the spool-up can be a little slower um, if we reduce the fuel in um, so that there's no smoke, but that's pretty much the only side effect. Um, you see, the, the thing is with these, with these engines, uh, because obviously it's mechanical injection pump, obviously we can't, we can't change the, the timing on the move or, or, or with relative to boost and things like that. So very much like tuning a, probably a 12 valve or whatever. 
it's kind of set where you set it. You kind of have to get a happy medium. Um, you, you, your engine has to be built pretty much specifically for what you want it for. It can't be a, it can't tick every box like a modern engine can, if that makes sense. Well, you know, a common rail or a, you know something where you can flick between maps. You know, if you want to flick between maps on one of these things, you've got to get the spanners out. <laughs> right, right. Well, you you have a common rail. You have a a six seven Cummins Ram, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I've got a six seven Ram, um, and I love it. I uh, yeah, it's an interesting it's an interesting story. I I've always had Fords, um, which a lot of Cummins people will be like. Probably throwing things at the at the at the, <laughs> at the speakers, but but um, you know I appreciate them all, and I, I've I've had quite a quite a wide range of different different American uh, trucks, and uh, and basically I I, I had a, a six liter Super Duty uh, before before the Ram, and uh, I used that all the time, and that those trucks you know notorious for the for their little issues, but mine. When I bought it, I bought it with the EGR was already um, was already broken, so the manifolds and things were already full of water, and it needed a, a rebuild. So I set on with that, I rebuilt it, and it was brilliant. I must have done probably a hundred thousand miles in that in that truck, and it was absolutely excellent. The 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 bed, unfortunately, in the back, you know, the um, the uh, the pickup bed started to rot uh, around the um, around the cross members. But uh, apart from that, the truck was absolutely brilliant, really smooth, uh, plenty of power, and I really enjoyed it. But, you know, like I just mentioned, it was starting to rot, and it was getting a bit older. It was 2004, um, so I wanted something new. And because I was so impressed with the Ford that I'd had, and, and that being obviously the, the last Ford I had, I was so impressed with it, that I fancied another Ford. I fancied a, a 250 or a 350. Um, one of the new shape ones with the aluminium cabs because I thought, you know, that's really, that sounds really kind of cool. But uh, unfortunately, there's nothing available in England at all. There isn't a single F250 or F350. Um, even now, I still go on eBay and, and Auto Trader and all the other different sites and I type it in and I see if I can, you know, see if I can find one for sale and they don't, they just, they're not, they don't come up. We, we get the older, the previous shape, so like a 16, 2016 shape one, the like the last of the super duties or or whatever you would call that shape. Okay. And um, but we get there's lots of those, but but no, none of the newest shape, the aluminium cab one, there's none of those. Um, so anyway, I saw this ram, and it was actually my wife that said she really liked it, and you know we quite like jeeps and things like that, so it was kind of similar. So I said, all right, well we'll go for a test drive. But I kind of wanted the Ford. Anyway, I went for a test drive in it. And the thing that sold it to me, and this is like the total truth, the, the total thing that sold it to me, the sound system. It's got an Alpine sound system in it, right? And that thing is awesome. Like a standard <laughs> truck with like the best sound system I've heard in any, any vehicle. I mean, like some big Mercedes cars and all the rest have got good sound systems. But this thing's amazing. I, I think probably because of the size of the speakers and the apertures that they can put them in. It's brilliant. So anyway, I thought, yeah, I'll buy it just on the fact that the sound system is good, you know. But um, <laughs> there was, uh, the, I have to say, I have to honestly say that the performance disappointed me. 
the the standard six seven Cummins I'd read so much and heard so much about it. That was actually the first one I drove, and I put my foot down thinking this is going to really move, and it didn't. And I was like, oh. Um, but as I've owned it a bit longer, I still haven't tuned it. It's still totally stock in that department uh, because of the warranty and other bits and pieces currently. Um, I've kind of got more used to it. It's very quiet. So it actually goes, it's going better than you think, if that makes sense. Like it's not making a lot of noise, but it's actually traveling at a fairly decent speed. Um, and also the transmission in it is quite unusual. Like it seems to be permanently slipping, like as if it's, that's the way it's obviously designed, but it just seems very slushy in comparison to the, the, the six litre Ford, which was very direct. The gear shift seemed to be much better, even though that was a much older truck. The, the transmission in that seemed to, seemed to have a much better feel to it. Um, but I've seen the options, you know. <laughs> I've been listening to you guys and, and reading about the options, and, and I think it's going to happen, obviously, you know, um, maybe a, a big built transmission. And uh, I don't know whether to stick with a stock turbo and, and add a turbo or push the stock turbo to the limit for now. Not really sure what to do with it, but I quite like the exhaust brake, which obviously is, it relies on that turbo. So I'm kind of like thinking um, it's probably going to be best to leave that if I can. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you, you obviously hear about these trucks all the time. I'm kind of, what I'm looking for is more that, that really low down, instant wheel spin type grunt. I'm not looking for 2,000 horsepower dyno numbers really high revs or anything like that. I'm wanting something that's going to light the tires up, you know, like all the time. Uh, oh, yeah. Lower revs. That, that's kind of the, the setup that I'm looking for for it. That was the exact impression I had when I got a 6.7 Cummins is you put your, you know, the pedal to the floor and it's you're waiting and waiting and waiting for it to do <laughs> something. It's moving, but yeah. it just doesn't, it doesn't have that excitement. But the nice thing in the aftermarket is the sky's the limit with, you know, anything that that you want to do with it from tuning and turbos yeah. and transmissions and all that stuff. I mean, I heard a lot, you know, I read a, a bit that people suggested that, um, you know, the, the head studs need to be done on them and things like that, which quite surprised me, to be honest. You know, like with the engines that we build, that we don't have to mess with things like that. Um, I mean, obviously, it all depends how much power you're wanting to make at the end of the day, but um, I was surprised. I, I think from what I read, I mean, like I say, the problem with the internet is there's so many different opinions on that. Um, and from some people I've read, it says, you know, you need head studs if you're pushing past 500. And some say you need head studs if you're pushing past 600. And it's difficult. It's hard to get a, an actual accurate, um, you know, suggestion. Because I'd prefer to obviously leave the internal standard as long as I can due to warranty reasons and the fact that it's brand new. And, you know, Cummins probably did a very good job of putting that engine together. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's the availability of parts? Say on, say for your truck, if you wanted to to get a tuning or a different turbo, is there? Well, this is something that this is something that we've been looking at. Um, obviously, in the UK, there really are no um, truck tuning specialists at all. So. If you've got an F350, F250, or you know a Duramax, Cummins, whatever, you can't get it tuned in the UK. There's no one offering that kind of service. Um, but now we're kind of um, we're kind of like looking at 
more more people suggesting um you know i've had people coming to me that have seen my truck and said oh would, would you do it and yeah i'm i'm totally i'm totally up to uh, you know open to doing that we've got the dyno so we can we can do the testing at this stage obviously we're not professing to be uh, a tuning expert for those particular models um because i don't have the experience at this point of that particular model but Obviously, we have a lot of diesel tuning experience, and I think that if we get the products that we need from the right people, um, you know, whoever that may be that's, that's maybe over in the U.S., maybe they could supply us with some files or some, you know, some, some turbos or, or whatever they'd recommend, and I'd be more than open to, uh, to retailing them, uh, you know, for the U.K. and Europe and doing the tuning and, and all that kind of thing, because there really is a massive hole in the market. Um, for that over here, it's, it's just, it just doesn't exist. How hard is it to get to, you know, say, have these trucks imported? As I've always wondered, that is, I have seen on forums and, and different things where guys will have, um, you know, a Duramax or something. There was one time I chatted with a guy in Norway that had a Duramax and he, he built it. Yep. So he did the, the whole thing. But is it hard to get the vehicles over there? Um, relatively obviously we try and uh, cripple you with import duties and import tax so obviously that that is a big uh, a, a big um, kind of downside to it I mean my truck uh, I bought with 500 miles on it so it was as new and the chap that imported it uh, he basically they, they, that was I think it, it was it was basically a dealership and, and the guy who had actually actually organized the import, he had one leg. Now, if you have a mobility, a disability, uh, you know, some kind of mobility disability, you can get the VAT wavered. So basically the truck, when I came to buy it, this guy had imported it from Canada, I believe, um, just to sell. Like there was no, no doubt about it, just to sell. Um, and, and, and basically the VAT was already gone. So that, that was great. That was almost like me sort of buying it directly from, you know, America, Canada, or whatever. Um, so in, in that respect, mine was good. But if, you, if you're looking at seriously buying, because I did, obviously I looked at importing a 350 or 250, um, you basically, the best way of looking at it is if the price over there is, say, $80,000 for a truck, it's going to cost you eighty thousand pounds, or maybe a touch more, by the time you get it here. So it, it's it's a lot of money um, to import. The older ones, not not so much of an issue. Um, you know, it's obviously the the values are less, and and it's not so much of a problem. So most of my American vehicles, I haven't imported. I've actually bought them. That someone's already done that. They've already. You know, taking the the hit of the the, the tax and the and the import duties and things, which is much easier. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense, and it it almost follows in line with modifications on the new trucks. Um, there's episodes we've had where you know, guys that own shops here will say, you know, we don't normally see the brand new models here in our shop for about four to five years. It's usually Really? The warranty's out, and then the guys say, okay, now I want to put compound turbos on it and two injection pumps and all those things. So it, <laughs> yeah. there's that little bit of a delay with a new model, and then you know when the parts and modifications start happening. So, Well, that, that may be why we've not seen any of the F250, 350s. Maybe the, the people that normally import them 
maybe uh, uh, waiting to purchase them as like um, like a, a, a use where where the the tax you know you've lost that 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 initial bit of depreciation yeah. which they may they may use to to pay for the delivery costs or whatever. So, um, but yeah, I mean, certainly it's it's interesting. We I've got um, a Ford S three fifty at the moment, um, ninety three with a seven point three IBI, and that's got a, a five speed manual in it, and I'm absolutely dying to tune that. Um, obviously, I know the limitations of the IDI. That particular engine is not fantastic. You know, it's it's it run forever in standard form, but they don't like big power, do they? Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I want to get a, a squeeze a bit more out of it. It's kind of like it's so old school. It is nothing like the modern truck. It's kind of like um, I don't know. It's hard to explain. They seem to be a lot more raw and a lot more kind of industrial if that makes sense the the obs shaped fords they're, they're, they're sort of hard as nails you can imagine throwing one off a cliff and it'd still be fine when it hit the bottom <laughs> there is yeah, there's something to be said about that just the simplicity and just the i don't know there's something about them the new ones are great with all the gadgets in them and the different things that it has and how quiet they are and and everything but the the older ones have something special to them yeah, it's character. It definitely there's some character. I, um, you know, mine's got some straight exhaust on it from Stacks, and uh, it, that's how basically I bought it. Someone had put them on, and um, when you're towing with it, I mean, literally the thing's got no power. It's standard, naturally aspirated. Uh, the pump's not even been messed with. It's, it's like literally out of the box, um, and it sounds fantastic. Those old IDIs with a straight pipe. Like, the V8 sounds absolutely brilliant. And uh, I kind of worried. I thought, you know, when I stick a big turbo on this, I'm going to lose a bit of that sound, like a silencer. And it, that's kind of, like, concerning me. I'm thinking, I don't want to lose any of that sound. It sounds fantastic. So I do love that truck. It's got a heck of a lot of character. And I find myself, you know, I'm, I'm always justifying it to myself. I kind of say, well, you know, uh, I'm going to take the Ford because I don't want to put too many miles on the new truck. I want to take the old Ford. And in reality, I'm just like, I'm just saying that. The, the actual truth is I actually really enjoy driving it. <laughs> it's, it's like, it's old, it's strange, but I don't know. The stick shift and everything is kind of like very trucky truck. <laughs> now for our listeners out there that want to see your Charger build, want to know what you're doing in the shop and, and everything, what is the best way for, for our listeners to find you and, and stay updated? Um, the best way, the, mo the thing that we update the most is obviously Facebook. Um, so if you type in Diesel Pump UK, uh, all one word, into Facebook, you'll find us. You'll see lots of photos of the Charger and some photos of the 606 engines that we paint cat yellow. It's obviously they're not originally cat yellow. Um, and, and, and that way, and you can message us through that. Um, you can also email me. Um, you can email me through the, the website. The website is www.dieselpumpuk.com, uh, and there's there's all sorts of contact information on there. Uh, and yeah, don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, we I I'm always I've always got my phone on me at some point. You know, outside of hours, I'm, I'm texting away people and, and saying, yeah, you need that fuel pump. You need this. You need that. Um, and, and yeah, it's, it's, it's when you live and breathe it, you can't really avoid it. So 
Yeah, drop us a line, or you can even call. You can call the workshop. You can find the details for that on the on the website as well. That is awesome. I I definitely want to to uh, chat with you again on the next cool diesel build you're doing, or about your truck, or any of the things you have going on. It's it's when I came across that post, it just grabbed me. I wanted to learn more. <laughs> and uh, well, and, I think and, I think the next the next ones. Uh, that we've got coming up that are interesting to me, probably not that interesting to you because you'll have seen it, but um, we're putting them on these 606 engines into a Jeep, uh, into a 2004 Jeep Wrangler. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, again, that's for mainly the American market because a lot of parts that we sell go to America, so we're doing that. So it's going to adapt to plates, mount, everything so that you can get a drop-in kit and put it into your Jeep. Um, so I'm hopefully going to try and I wanted to try and approach the guys that um, do it every day. You know, I watched that with the with the guy Fred. Um, I thought that you know he'd love something like that, a mechanical diesel with a in in a Jeep. So it'd be great to build them a crate engine and send it over as a thing and say, look, try that out. Tell us what you think. Um, and the other the other bit is just for my own personal, which um, not really for the shop, but it'll be the IDI. I really want to do the IDI. So I think that that's going to get uh, some high performance. I'm really, really struggling to get an injector, a performance injector pump for it. Um, contacted a few different people in the US and it seems to be quite, I don't know, it's quite difficult to get um, to get an injector pump over here. But uh, I'll, I, I don't know. Well, I may build one. Um, I usually like to use, if someone's already got the experience in building one, I prefer to, to buy one off someone else. Um, you know, if, if it's just a one-off, but, you know, if I struggle enough, we've got the test bench, we've got the full pump room facilities and all the rest of it, we build the injector pumps in-house, so I'll have a play and, and see what we can squeeze out of it. Oh, for sure. That'll, but all those builds are cool and, and uh, we definitely want to, uh, to follow them and, and chat with you. And it was awesome to have you on today. I appreciate your time and cool. all the information you gave us and, and uh, you know, just sharing sharing with our listeners what what you do with your business and your passion for diesel. <laughs> yeah, definitely a passion. <laughs> it's a lifestyle, I think. Don't forget, diesel fans, make sure and check out BD Diesel and Dan's Diesel Performance. Go to dieselperformance.com and dan'sdieselperformance.com for upgrades for your Cummins, Duramax, or Powerstroke. Until next time, keep the shiny side up.